being. I love that word, wonder. <laughs> and that is the title of our Christmas message series. You know, Christmas is just 20 days away, in case you didn't know that. <laughs> when we say wonder, though, what, what is the wonder of Christmas? I think we could have a lot of different responses. We took a little poll here, you know, is it white lights or colored lights, you know, in your family? In our family, we have an ongoing argument. I won't tell you which one that is, and, you know, we could raise our hands, but, you know, there's so many gorgeous light displays. They truly are a wonder at Christmas. Or maybe for you, it's the smells, you know, the, the gingerbread, mmm, the cookies, the chocolate, the peppermint, but... For those of us who are still struggling with some smell, I'm really praying for some miracles. <laughs> I know that's, you know, some of us over the last year. Or is the wonder of Christmas those, you know, elaborately wrapped, not in my family, but elaborately wrapped gifts uh, piled high under the tree? You know, one of my granddaughters said to me the other week, man, I, I wonder how many gifts you're going to have for me under the tree. Last year, I had three, and I'm like, oh, you know, you just feel this pressure, you know, to make your Christmas full of wonder or wonderful. Well, biblically speaking, the word wonder is not usually used as a verb, like a response of awe or a response of curiosity. The biblical use of the word wonder is a noun, as in signs and wonders, and it means a special divine act of God. And so that's what we're going to look at over the next three weeks. The wonder today of God's word, the wonder of God's work, and the wonder of God's love all throughout the Christmas story. His special divine acts. And you know, the Christmas story is full of wonders, lots of miracles. And it's often, you know, that's easy to miss because we're so familiar with the story. Or so I thought. I read a study recently. This was fascinating. They surveyed people all across the country. included, obviously, lots of Christians in this study. And only about 20 to 22% of Americans can accurately recall the details of the Christmas story. That's kind of sad. I bet you most of you could tell me the Grinch Who Stole Christmas, or Home Alone, right? Or <laughs> Wonderful Lies, we can recount those details. No, we have a story to tell, and it's a miraculous story. But this is interesting. The Christmas story is also a really messy story, really messy. You know, there's barns and animals and birth. I mean, birth is not clean, folks, <laughs> for those of us who've given birth, okay? But it was also a messy time in history. There was oppression and violence. You know, the Christmas story, sometimes I think we could call it Christmas, actually, because it's messy. But here's the good news. When do you need miracles? You need miracles when you're in a mess, right? Years ago, I was like having this conversation with a guy, and I was complaining, to be honest, just about messes and challenges. And he said, die, stop. Don't you know? You're in miracle land. I'm like, huh? He goes, you don't need a miracle unless you're in a mess. Right? And so I'm asking today, what is the mess you're in? <laughs> Where do you need a special divine act of God? Specifically today, we're going to look at the wonder of God's word. 
So I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit and have him be our teacher in a very familiar story, but I pray he opens our hearts and opens our eyes. Come, Holy Spirit. I thank you for your written word. I thank you for the living word, our Lord Jesus, whose birthday we are celebrating. I invite you, Holy Spirit, make it fresh. Make it alive to us today. Make it wondrous <laughs> today. Come as our teacher, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, as I said, the Christmas story is messy. And God's wonders, biblically, most often happen in the middle of messes. And I do want you to think, recall either times God has intersected in your life, you know, your mess with a miracle, uh, or where you might need that right now, because I think most of us have some sort of mess going on somewhere. I'm going to go back about over 40 years, and it's a familiar story to some of you, my own story, but it was probably the biggest mess of my life I've ever been in. And uh, I'd been told by Carl Hospital it was nearly impossible for me to ever conceive my own child. I had lots of medical issues. And I was devastated. Uh, I was heartbroken. I, you know, have you ever found that messes and challenges in our life, they so often mess with our faith? And I felt like I had zero faith. I, you know, I tried to read the Bible, and the Bible seemed dead to me. And some of you probably have experienced that too. It's just like this dead. I, I couldn't get past the emotional and the, just the trauma of the mess. And in the middle of that mess, uh, Happy, my husband, came home one day. And he'd been out. Uh, he was a financial planner at the time. And he did a lot of driving around. And he said, Di, when I was out today, you're never going to guess what happened. I went, what? He said, God spoke to me. I said, whoa, 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 wait. See, we were committed members of a cessationist church. That means we were part of a church that said gifts of the Spirit had ceased. God no longer spoke. He spoke at one time, but he's not still speaking. We had the Bible, and that was enough. And now, here's Hap telling me God spoke. I went, you mean like you could hear it? He goes, no, no, I could hear it in here. He said it was like these thoughts rose up in my mind, and God said, you're going to go to Chicago, which was true. We're now going up to Northwestern Memorial Hospital to see a hotty-totty fertility expert up there in Evanston. You're going to go to Chicago, and you're going to get really bad news. But don't worry about it. It's all going to be all right. Okay, first of all, Hap, if God was going to speak, he would speak to me. You see, at the time... Happy was kind of one of those lukewarm Christians, like he barely read his Bible or, you know. And I thought, you know. But actually, that's wrong. See, this is the cool thing about God. He loves each of us so much. He doesn't have to measure our commitment. He wants to speak. He wants to bring hope. Okay? And that's what he did. And he spoke through Happy. I had to humble myself and say, well, okay, I guess we'll find out. You see... It was just a few days later, Hap had that encounter, and he shared it in last week's sermon on paradigms, which was very powerful, where a man walked into his financial planning office in downtown Champaign, and that man said, do you know God is still doing miracles? 
And so within the span of just a few days, we both experienced the power, the wonder of God's word, specifically God's prophetic word. What do I mean by prophetic word? Well, prophetic word is simply hearing the voice of God and sharing that with others, usually to bring hope and encouragement. Prophecy often has two different manifestations. One, prophecy foretells. Okay, it calls forth truth to, to encourage you, like God is still doing miracles. But prophecy also foretells. It predicts, like you're going to go to Chicago and get bad news. So prophecy both predicts and it promises. Okay, but it's hearing the voice of God and specifically to bring encouragement, you know, to bring hope, uh, to bring life to people. So that was my first experience with this whole gift of prophecy where I heard God spoke. And that was my first experience with what I call the wonder of God's word, that special divine act where he intersected in my mess to bring encouragement. It's a very, very, very powerful gift. As a matter of fact, that gift is still in operation, and we're going to see that today. Uh, even you that are online, don't leave us, because after worship, we're going to have our prophetic team come up and speak words of life and hope and encouragement to people. Gift of prophecy is especially prevalent all throughout the Bible, but specifically in the Christmas story, okay? And at the time, all throughout, God's prophets spoke, and they often focused on the coming Savior. And today, we still have God speaking, but we also have his written word that can come alive to us and speak to us prophetically. I just want us to know today, our God spoke, our God speaks. And it is to bring us hope, to bring us encouragement, because he loves us so much. He wants to miraculously fulfill the wonder of his word in our lives. Okay, I'm going to open the Bible now, and let's go to Hebrews. Now, Hebrews isn't your usual Christmas text, but hang with me today, and let's hear what God has to say. Okay, Hebrews 1. And I'm starting with verse 1. And this is what it says. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also, he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Okay. Is this a Christmas text? Yes. Hang with me. Two things. What do we learn from this text right off the bat? God spoke, and God speaks. So he hasn't stopped speaking. The first thing, God spoke. Let's look again. It says, long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. Specifically here, the prophets under the Old Testament. Prophets were men and women of God who they heard the voice of God, sometimes in visions, dreams, 
very divine encounters, uh, the audible voice of God, or the inner voice of God. As a matter of fact, this is so prevalent all throughout the Bible, 16 books of the Old Testament are named after the prophets who wrote them. So prophecy is extremely important. And again, why? Our God doesn't want us to stay in the dark. He wants to speak to us. You know, he wants to intersect our messes with his divine word. The power of that word. Okay. I just think it's, again, stunning. 16 prophetic books, and then there's a host of other prophets named all throughout. But one of their main messages was the, concerning the coming of the Messiah, the coming of Jesus. And, you know, the word was to bring hope. I mean, there's so much hopelessness all throughout the Old Testament. There's so much hopelessness in our world, which is why we still need a prophetic gift to pierce that darkness. But God's prophets spoke words of encouragement. They also spoke words of correction and direction and judgment. And they were very, like, very powerful. But many of the words focused on the coming of Jesus Christ. One of my favorite prophets is actually Isaiah. And Isaiah prophesied very, very powerfully about the coming of Jesus. And here's one that's a familiar text to many of us. We sing songs about this from Isaiah 9, 6. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Wow. We, we could spend weeks just, you know, learning about those titles. This prophecy about the son whose birthday we're celebrating, the son, Jesus, was actually spoken 700 years <laughs> before that son was born. And, you know, that's the hard thing about prophecy, particularly under the Old Testament. You know, looking back, a lot of it makes sense. But it was mysterious, and it was cryptic. <laughs> it was hard to, to understand. How about this one? This is another one from Isaiah, found in uh, chapter 7, verse 14. He said, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. <laughs> Spoken 700 years before that virgin Mary conceived a son by the Holy Spirit, that son being none other than God himself. I love how the Passion Translation translates, Emmanuel, God became one of us. Stunning. I mean, that would have been pretty hard to understand when Isaiah spoke that, you know, to his contemporaries. There are actually... Over 300 prophecies concerning Jesus Christ all throughout the Old Testament. Some scholars think actually as many as four or 500, depending on how you nuance them. And, you know, that it's important, I think, to dial up that historically we now know that 100% of those prophecies are 100% accurate. You know... All of us can predict something, right? Like I can look at a pregnant woman and say, oh yeah, I prophesy you're going to have a son. 
well, I have a 50% chance of being accurate, right? <laughs> yeah, but, but when it comes to the birth of Jesus uh, and even his ministry and his death and his resurrection, there's a lot of details that were very specifically prophesied and were very specifically fulfilled. You know, I think it's important to point that out because Christmas isn't just about all the feels. There's facts. You know, we live in a post-truth uh, culture, you know, it's very post-Christian, very post-truth. And there are historical facts. I, I did a, a, a study on this and ran across a very interesting experiment that a professor out west did. He was a professor of math and astronomy, and he was a statistician. He did a probability test where he took just eight prophecies about Jesus out of the three or 400. Okay, just eight Okay, and he took those eight, and he, along with his team, students, they did the calculations. You know, what is the probability that one man could fulfill those eight prophecies to the degree that they're 100% fulfilled? And this is what they discovered. That probability was 10 to the 17th power. I mean, I basically flunked math, so I don't even understand like what that means, okay? All I know is, whoa, <laughs> that's stunning. <laughs> and it's worth noting, this Jesus is one amazing God, one amazing Savior that we get to wonder at his word that was spoken so powerfully. Our God is not just some, you know, Myth, legend, or even some old guy sitting on a throne who's, you know, twiddling his thumbs. He's speaking to us. He's intersecting the messes in our lives with the wonder of his word. Okay, God spoke. But secondly, from this Hebrews text, God speaks. And I want to know, like, well, how is that different from how he spoke through the prophets of old? Well, let's pick back up on that. But in these last days, which are the days we're living in, he, God, has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things and through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand on the majesty of high. That is not just an add-on. So hang on. Okay, God spoke. God now speaks. He speaks through his son. First of all, nobody really knew what God was like. Actually, they had all sorts of images. They had all sorts of, you know, ideas coming through, you know, the Old Testament. But when Jesus arrives on the scene, what did he say? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. See, he spoke. He spoke and revealed the character of God. Not just in the words that he spoke, but the deeds that he did, the life that he lived, okay? Why? He is the exact imprint. He is the invisible expression of the invisible God. I know it's a mystery. You know, we have one God... Three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All God, okay? And that's, that's actually really important. Okay, but when we say he speaks now to us through his Son, 
What does that mean? Does that mean like Jesus is going around like speaking to Justin, you know, or speaking, you know, to Janet? I mean, who? Well, yes. I mean, he's, yes, he does, obviously. <laughs> uh, he's not actually necessarily walking around in here right now. But yes, but that's not really what this text is talking about, okay? When he says he speaks to us through his son, this is what you need to know. He speaks to us through the filter of the finished work of Jesus. And this is really important. When we say he speaks through his son, we might say God speaks Jesus. He speaks son. You speak English or Spanish or Mandarin or whatever. God speaks Jesus. He speaks his son. You see, his son, who was the exact imprint of God Almighty, the exact imprint, came and did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. Do you know, I, I, I know this is a Christmas message, but I want to divert a moment and make it an Easter message because we were in the biggest mess ever. Talk about messes. Mired in sin, death, deception, shame, condemnation, sickness, you know, the whole bit. We were in the biggest mess ever. And God spoke Jesus. That means, obviously, God himself came to planet Earth. God himself took on flesh. God himself finished the work. That's what I want to pick up here now. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Okay. We know that's important, but why is that important as we think about God speaking and what he's speaking to us? See, the, the prophets of old, they were speaking of a coming king. That king is here. They were speaking of a coming judgment. That king took our judgment. They were speaking of, a, uh, of an enemy to be wary of. That enemy's been defeated, okay? So when we speak son, when we speak Jesus, it's based on this incredible truth. You see, all the Old Testament priests, when they came to offer the sacrifice for sin, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. Without, they, they, they came, they brought the animals, the blood was shed, they stood. You would never sit down, ever. You stand the whole time. Well, what's the difference with Jesus? Jesus himself is the final, perfect sacrifice. God himself in the flesh offers himself perfect sacrifice, he can now sit down, never to have to sacrifice again, communicating to all of us he made complete purification for sin, past, present, future, no more sacrifice needed. We need to speak son. And it's out of that, it's, it's out of that, the finished work of Jesus, that we now have the opportunity to prophesy to people, to bring encouragement, to call out the gold, to let the wonder of God's word intersect people's lives, to bring miracles in their messes. I like to say, often I say, you know what? The cross of Jesus Christ was a smashing success. But today I want to say something else. The cradle of Christ was a smashing success. You want to know why? The prophet told us. He told us 
he, he says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She'll give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Yes. You know, God works and partners with people, ordinary people, like a Mary, like a Joseph. He chooses them just like he chooses each one of us to participate in his work. It's so powerful. And he says, that sacrifice for our sin has to be sin-free. That sacrifice for our sin has to be perfect. And yes, Jesus Christ was that perfect sacrifice. And now he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. That means he has all authority, all power. When we speak Jesus, power is released to change lives. So God spoke, God speaks. I want to circle back to that original story where I first heard that prophetic word from God, you're going to go to Chicago and get worse news. 100% correct. Never in my wildest dreams did I think there was worse news than what I had gotten from Carl Hospital. This news was, we've now found a large tumor. Our recommendation is we remove your entire reproductive system. Definitely worse news. But what about the second part of that word? But don't worry, everything's going to be all right. It was just a few days, I'm not sure how many days later, we had that experience of being marvelously baptized in the Holy Spirit for the first time as we pursued this truth of does God still do miracles? And it was after that experience, the Holy Spirit does what he does best. Scales fall off your eyes, and suddenly you can see the living word. You can see Jesus, and you can know that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, that he is still the God who does miracles. And suddenly this word that had been dead to me came alive. God spoke through the written word. God spoke through the gift of prophecy. I knew, I knew this was true. I didn't know how it was going to happen. I began to devour different sections of the Bible. I did a whole study on women who had been barren, who couldn't have babies. And you know what? That landed me smack dab in the middle of the Christmas story. <laughs> For those of you who remember, Mary's conception with Jesus was preceded by her cousin Elizabeth being pregnant with John. That was an impossible conception. She was like 80 or 90 years old. And it was a divine encounter where God spoke to Zechariah, her husband, and said, no, you're going to have a child. You're going to name him John. And so when Mary has the encounter with the angel Gabriel and says, you know, you're going to get pregnant by the Holy Spirit, and you're going to give birth to a son, and you're going to call him Jesus. Why? That means the Lord saves. He will save us from our sins. He made total purification for all sin. Well, Mary's like reeling, and I love, again, if we're reeling, God wants to speak. And that angel said to Mary, this is found in uh, Luke 136, Behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. I took that, I could hear the Holy Spirit speak it to me, 
It penetrated my heart. Faith began to be birthed. I put it on my mirror. I sang it in the shower. I said, yes, Lord, you are true to your word. Now, this is the thing with prophetic words. They often don't happen quickly. Now, <laughs> but I believed that word. 21 months later, I gave birth to our first son, Jonathan David, on January 26, 1979. And I knew, Lord, the wonder of your word. Thank you for not making me wait 700 years. But, you know. <laughs> now, this is the cool thing. When things like this happen in our lives, we don't keep them to ourselves, right? We're to give away what God has given us. And so, for the past 40 years, uh, I, and along with others, have prayed for hundreds of couples who've struggled with barrenness, who cannot have children, that we can proclaim over them, we know a God who does miracles. We know a God who does the impossible. Now, not everybody experiences it. Please, don't hear me say that, okay? But it's such a privilege to speak prophetically and to speak based on what? The finished work of God. The finished work of Jesus. Sitting at the highest place of authority. So I'll close with this. About a year and a half ago, I got contacted by a woman named Shannon. She'd read my book about our story of getting healed and other people's stories, and she wanted prayer. She said, this is her story, she was a college soccer player. We have a lot of college kids here. And uh, she was very athletic, very healthy, and her legs started to bother her. And what she discovered, like, very, very traumatically, she had Ewing sarcoma, a deadly bone cancer that generally affects very young children, but as a young adult, she, she had it. So through a whole series of, like, obviously treatments, she said lots of prayer, she was miraculously healed. But this was the downside. She had since gotten married, and when they went to, like, try to conceive a child, she had no menstrual periods. And she discovered, uh, after examination, that all of her eggs were like dead. They were in, inusable. He said, there's no way. You will never have your own child. I can't even do in vitro, you know, where I retrieve an egg and, and implant it. There's no way. It's impossible. So my friend Judy Swartzendruber and I, we prayed over Shannon and her husband Justin, and we declared the truth of God's word prophetically based on Jesus' finished work, that nothing is impossible with God he doesn't play favorites. He healed one barren womb, he'll heal another. October 30th, 2021, Justin Lewis Rosenbaum entered the world. Thank you, Lord. The wonder of his word. We get to extend the miraculous. And today we're going to continue that during our ministry time speaking prophetically to bring hope and encouragement because that's our God. He loves us. He wants us. He wants us to hear his voice for faith to rise in our hearts and to know he is a God who works wonders. So, Father, we are grateful, and we look to you today as we worship you. As we worship you today, may faith explode in our hearts. May we be ready to keep hearing what you have to say. We welcome your presence in Jesus' name. Amen. You may stand for worship, and I'm grateful. We have this opportunity now, and after worship, 
Don't go away. Don't go away online. We're going to bring up a prophetic team to, again, unleash hope and encouragement in the middle of all of our messes.